listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Monday, the 19th of July 2021. Later, COVID cases are hitting the Australian share market. But first, let's talk about the entertainment and media industry because the pandemic has sped up digital disruption in the sector, the way we consume media and the way advertisers spend. PwC's Entertainment and Media Outlook says advertising spending fell 8% in 2020 but is slowly rebounding. For more, I spoke earlier with The Outlook's editor, Justin Papps. During the pandemic, the whole industry felt the pressure that came from a downturn in in marketing spend. But the good news is is that we're seeing the industry broadly bounce back pretty quickly and probably quicker than we predicted it would in the first half of 2021. There's some sectors that are still a little bit behind, but through no fault of their own. You know, uh, cinemas, obviously, with lockdowns, as we're experiencing now, um, and live entertainment, obviously not feeling it uh, at the moment, given we can't go to concerts or theatres. The thing is, with the stay-at-home movement, aren't more people consuming more content? And has that flow through to revenue? Yeah, look, absolutely, we're seeing more people consuming content. I think what we're seeing is the spread is across more platforms. And so whether it's on streaming services or broadcast services, we're seeing that attention is spread across a lot more different channels. The challenge with that is the advertising dollars are then being uh, split as well. So when we look at this sector, we look at where's the money going, but equally, where's the attention going? And that's probably the biggest change we've seen as a result of the pandemic is people are spreading themselves out across more things with the same finite amount of time that they've got. So who's really benefiting right now then? The big beneficiaries at the moment, uh, the streaming services obviously have picked up a lot of audience and a lot of subscribers during the pandemic that seem to be staying on. And they've done a good job keeping them there by venturing into things like live sport um, and some of that really big ticket items, things like Hollywood blockbusters, even though it's an additional fee, people are prepared to pay it because they can't go to the cinema. So streaming's doing very well, but also in audio streaming as well. And then the other really big one is what we call broadcast video on demand. So all of the free-to-air networks with their additional services as well, we're starting to see a lot of traction in that space. Do you think the challenge for these uh, broadcasters is to retain these viewers? And, And how do they do that, do you think? So retention is the game at the moment because uh, the way that we think about it is there's a continuous fight for partial attention. It's very rare you get somebody's whole attention anymore. So the bit that you do get, how do you hang on to it? And there's a couple of ways you do that. It's the quality of the content. It's also having the content in multiple formats. So if I'm sitting on a bus, I can still get two minutes of it as much as I could if I was sitting at home and I get 30 minutes of it. So how do you cut it up in ways that link into what we found in our research, those three types of consumption? So routine-based consumption, spontaneous consumption, or planned consumption. And so how do you treat, you know, how do you get into that and keep your customers or consumers in that mix? You know, whether it's a, a short piece on TikTok or, or Instagram, how does that then flow through to something longer on YouTube or direct somebody to a live broadcast? And I think there's lots of good examples of that across the networks, being able to really capture someone's attention and draw them through to the main activity. What do you say are the major power shifts reshaping the landscape right now? 
Yeah, so we saw a, a sort of five key major shifts that we saw uh, over the last year. The first one and the, and the overarching one is digital, which is this rapid digitization. So moving people online and the, and the fact that we're doing this over Zoom, Ricardo, is a good example of how life's changed. So this rapid digitization, whether that's digital news or video or whatever it might be, and that's driven through. The other really interesting shifts that have come with that as well are what we call creative shifts, which is the link between content creators and consumers is much tighter now because um, I can be connected to a content creator via TikTok or YouTube or Instagram with no real intermediary other than the platform. So those creative shifts is, is a really big one. Um, probably the biggest shift of the five you know, is, is this one, other than digital, is consumer-based shift, which is the, all the power going to the consumer. They're deciding where they spend their time, their money, and how much data they're prepared to share. And that's probably one of the shifts that we see we see we saw grow exponentially during pandemic and has continued. The other two shifts that anywhere, anytime, location-based, and the last one is regulatory, which we're seeing the regulator get more involved in the media space. So what's the outlook look like? The, the outlook for the entertainment media sector is uh, it's great. We're seeing some green shoots in most parts of the sector, but it's an asymmetrical growth. Um, you know, I, I do really feel for, for cinemas at the moment and live entertainment because these lockdowns, there's, not, there's actually nothing they can do structurally to change. They've actually done a lot of the back-end work. They just need these, this consistency around audiences to come back, and that's going to come with the vaccine rollout, et cetera. But across the board, I think what we're seeing is media players are getting smarter with how they do capture attention of, of consumers and how they retain those consumers in whatever that ecosystem is that they've created. Justin Papps there from PwC to the Australian share market now, which did fall on the first trading day of the week. The S&P ASX 200 down 0.9%, 7,286. Oil stocks declining, the miners down across the board. NAB was the worst of the banks. There were some gains from some health stocks. For more, I spoke earlier with George Baburis from K2 Asset Management. George, market's down today. Why? A uh, number of reasons. There's a pause in the global equity rally as uh, as markets look for new information. Uh, they're looking at uh, how some economies are going offline again for the new variant, the Delta variant. Uh, they're looking for leading indicators of what's going to happen going forward, uh, what's the pace of economic activity. And they're looking for indicators coming up from the US reporting season and the upcoming Australian reporting season to see where aggregate earnings are, are, are going to land for corporate America and corporate Australia respectively. So uh, information gathering following uh, a, a big rally since uh, mid-June. Uh, so there's a bit of a pause in global markets. Given that we are seeing this increased number of cases around the world because of the Delta virus, we're seeing lockdowns particularly uh, in Sydney and in Melbourne. What is the market expecting when it does come to reporting season locally and also in the US? Because I think that the overseas market and the overseas numbers will probably have a bigger impact, won't it? Yeah, exactly. Overseas numbers have a, a larger impact. What we're looking for is uh, aggregate earnings confirming that uh, because of the stimulus and the recovery. But what we're looking for is guidance from corporate America. The CEO is giving guidance going forward uh, and, the, and, and their views on the lockdowns and the impact on their earnings. And likewise in Australia, we all know that the current quarter, uh, there'll be a detraction of economic activity for obvious reasons when Sydney goes offline and now Melbourne. Uh, therefore, that will have an impact on uh, on economic activity. Therefore, aggregate earnings, looking for the guidance from corporate Australia. And the, 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 the other key for people to understand is, therefore, the RBA and the federal government will be writing the cheques, will continue stimulus uh, into the foreseeable future. 
and that and people need to understand that uh, cash rates will remain at these historical lows until 2024. There is still stimulus going in with quantitative easing, and the federal government would need to again go back into its uh, coffers and and start uh, writing some more checks uh, for broader Australia. So so there is going to be a weaker economic activity this quarter, and you've got to look through and see the recovery at the other side of that. And that's what equity markets are trying to do. Yeah, so does that change the way you invest? Because there was a, a bit of a time there when people were starting to factor in potential tapering. And if that's not going to happen locally anyway, does that change things? It, it, it Again, it supports what we call risk assets. So with such historical rates, rates staying lower for longer. Uh, again, more stimulus coming through with the current challenges with economies going offline temporarily. Uh, ultimately, that's good value for future earnings down the track, and that's what will be the bias from a lot of superannuation funds, pension funds offshore, and fund managers like ourselves are still looking through that and still see value of future earnings. It's just that the economic activity is increasing and the pace is slowing, uh, but it is expanding. And therefore, aggregate earnings will be expanding, but at a slower pace in calendar 22. And what do you make of OPEC's meeting uh, over the weekend, supply potentially ramping up? What are the implications? Yeah, a number of implications. Firstly, first and foremost, OPEC always has challenges with the alliance. That's what it always has for decades. Uh, the recent challenges have been uh, quite uh, quite uh, unforgiving and robust. But to agree on increased supply going into calendar 22 implies prices will fall. Therefore, that decision in itself is less inflationary. George Baburus there from K2 Asset Management. Don't forget you can listen to this as a podcast on Spotify, the SBS news app and on apple podcasts i'm ricardo gonsalves follow me on twitter instagram and tiktok at business ricardo this sbs on the money podcast is provided for informational purposes only the content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation it is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Music.